Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And I am, of course, joined by Nate the Great, Nathan Yonke. Long time no see, my friend. How's it going? It's going well. Happy to have our first episode on a Tuesday ever of our rendition of the podcast. So happy to be on for back-to-back days. We only had our poll going for one day. That was close. And we had lots of news happening just after we recorded yesterday, too, that we have to touch on as well. Yeah, this is this is it, right? It's August. It's fantasy draft season. There's really no better time to be like a fantasy football junkie. And as we get to do more redraft drafts, not just best ball, we got preseason games, um, which we covered yesterday in detail for those looking to hear our thoughts on those games. And then, like you said, of course, there is no shortage of NFL stories in the news cycle as we get closer to the start of the season. Um, one that just came in today before we go in through some of the bigger news is news pieces from yesterday. Anthony Richardson, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, was named the week one starter. This was one we, we felt was trending in this direction for the most part um, for most of the offseason. And, and it only felt inevitable that it was going to be sooner rather than later that we got to see Richardson as the starting quarterback for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. We got to see him a little bit in the preseason, not a lot, but um, I mean, again, it felt inevitable. We love, we love Richardson for, for fantasy purposes for the most part. I, I don't know that I'm starting him week one just to kind of see what he looks like out there. Um, but how about you? How are you feeling about Anthony Richardson getting a shot to start the season? Uh, feeling good. I feel like at this point, him getting named the starter so early was more of a, we don't want to hand you the job. We want to make you earn it kind of thing. But they knew all along probably that he was going to be the guy week one. So I think um, it's good for him. I've moved him up my rankings a little bit. He's in this like big tier of quarterbacks who maybe not 100% comfortable being a starter, but definitely have that upside to get in that position. And there's so many of them that I'm fine kind of waiting, but definitely among that group, someone that I think, especially if you're in more casual leagues, you're going to be able to get him late because other people might not have heard of him. And quarterbacks are the position that people are most likely to have heard of people. So you can definitely get him late in some of those leagues. If you're in some of the more competitive leagues, a little harder to get him. So I'm generally not getting him in those kind of competitive leagues too much. But I think at this point, knowing that he's a starter, it's probably good news for the entire Colts offense, just not having to go from a different quarterback to Richardson, uh, just being able to stick with the same quarterback. So 
probably good news for uh, mostly someone like Michael Pittman, not a lot of other receivers on the Colts that are typically getting drafted, but good news for Pittman at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we've talked about Richardson a few times already on this podcast. And I, and I recently, I think it was last week, wrote up a, a piece specifically about him and, and the upside that, that he brings as a fantasy quarterback. And I was saying that he could potentially be a top 10 fantasy quarterback by the time the season ends because of the rushing upside. But a lot of that did um, bank on him starting week one and, and being able to compile a lot of that maybe passing production that won't necessarily be uh, at the, in the upper echelon for the early for most of his career here to start but i think the the rushing upside will be there so um kind of an exciting player and uh yeah look, looking forward to see what he looks like in week one um let's go to some of the news that broke yesterday uh almost immediately after we finished recording and that was news that ezekiel elliott has signed a one-year $3 million contract with up to $6 million in incentives. The knee-jerk reaction for, for most people seemed to be that they were worried that this was, you know, really awful news for Ramondre Stevenson. But, Nate, is this Zeke signing worth stressing about if you're a Ramondre Stevenson manager? I'm not too stressed about it. It was nice seeing us talk about it on the podcast and the Patriots having their three-man rotation and saying, hey, they're probably more likely to sign a running back now. And then hours later, it happened. Um, I feel like I've seen on uh, Twitter a lot of fantasy experts not worrying about it. And then constantly in my mentions, and I'm sure other people's mentions, are people worrying about it, uh, remembering Zeke from the old days of Zeke more than the recent days of Zeke. Um, the two like uh, biggest concerns that I've seen is Zeke's um, ability in pass protection, and that hasn't been founded in any PFF data. It's just a reputation he's received. Stevenson's better, been a better receiving back and a better pass blocker in recent seasons. So I'm not really worried about Stevenson losing the third down role. Um, if we see something like we saw last year, it was kind of like uh, Damien Harris and Stevenson would rotate on early downs and then Stevenson get all of the late down work, which worked out fine for him. He was a clear fantasy starter in that kind of rotation. And I could see something pretty similar like that happening again. Um, the other big concern that people have had is the goal line work, short yardage work, which Elliot has been better than Stevenson to this point in recent seasons. So that definitely is an understandable concern. It just, I haven't seen the Patriots in any of their recent seasons with Belichick or even going later than recent seasons ever really having a specific goal line back who is getting more short yardage work than the main running back. So it's always been like a mix of people, not just one person. So like this could lead to Stevenson potentially getting a few less carries at the goal line. So maybe a touchdown or two fewer than he was going to get, but both guys are going to get plenty of opportunities at the goal line throughout the year, assuming the Patriots are able to get that far down the field to score some touchdowns, but um, not too worried about Elliott and also probably not drafting Elliott unless I'm looking to get a handcuff later in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense, right? A, a slight hit to Ramondre Stevenson just because of the potential loss of goal line work. But yeah, like you said, overall, I'm not too concerned about it uh, either. I still really like Stevenson and, and, and even where he's being drafted um, mostly, maybe it pushed down a little bit, but I, I still like him considering some of the other options in that range. Um, 
In more running back news, uh, another big name free agent signed, and it's one that's been rumored for quite a while, but is now official. Dalvin Cook signs a one-year contract with the New York Jets, potentially worth up to $8.6 million. I don't know what the base of that contract is, but doesn't really matter for fantasy. All that does matter is that Cook is now a Jet, and with Brees Hall also getting activated off the pup list yesterday, um, does this hurt both players how much does it hurt them basically on a scale of one to ten how much crying do i need to do to go to get over this signing spoiling a lot of my Brees hall shares this season yeah this does hurt hall a little bit and uh with cook um i've had him decently far down my rankings at this point so it's not really hurting him just because it seemed like any place that he could go to he wasn't going to be a clear-cut number one running back anymore unless someone got injured so the fact that he signed maybe hurts him a little bit because now this stops the opportunity of him signing and being the clear one guy with the team. But it's something where we know Hall's coming back from injury, but Cook's also coming back from injury. So I don't know how much of this is actually injury related versus them just trying to go all in and winning a Super Bowl and upgrading at their number two running back spot. So it's going to be a little hard to know exactly how this rotation is going to play out. I'm still going to have Hall a decent ways ahead of Cook in my rankings just because I think the talent between the two players, but it'll be more of a rotation than it could have been before. We could have gotten to a situation where Brees Hall was seeing upwards of 70 to 80% of snaps as the season went on once he was 100%. And now it's a bit less likely that we get there. So it does hurt Brees' ceiling a little bit. I don't see him being a top five running back this season, but it's uh, going all in on this season. And I think in future years, Brees Hall should be just fine. So Dynasty, not as worried, but redraft, definitely going to be moving Hall down the rankings. Yeah, that's that's a good call. And and it's it's not great because I, I had written up Brees Hall as like a dark horse for for RB1 this year. And, uh, you know, I was kind of banking on the, the time difference between when Dalvin Cook met with the Jets and him not having signed yet, um, playing a part in that, that maybe he didn't sign there. But yeah, not not great for his ceiling, like you said. And And then honestly, I could see this being a case where we get a lot more Dalvin Cook early in the year as they kind of ease Brees Hall back into action, kind of coming off of that injury. And then that that shift kind of starts to happen in the middle to later part of the year where Brees Hall ends up being um, getting the majority of the touches in, in the offense. I think that would make sense there ultimately like like you said i'm i'm with you i have Brees hall and i'm not going to move Brees hall lower than dalvin cook um even if it does start the season um even if cook does start the season a little bit higher if that's the expectation i don't think that'll last for the entire season if Brees hall can get healthy i agree and i think it's also worth noting that this is at least a little bit of a win for a lot of running backs for a lot of other teams now we know elliot's not going back to the cowboys so tony pollard is not going to lose the goal line work there. Uh, Miami was rumored to be looking at a running back, and now they're at least not going to be adding Cook or not adding Elliott. So while they could still add someone at some point of time, it's not going to be anyone as good as Cook is. So um, that's a little bit of a boost for the Miami running backs as well. Um, Thought Tampa Bay could always be looking to add another one, and they could always bring back Leonard Fournette again because he's probably uh, the top guy with Kareem Hunt now among the available running backs. But definitely helpful for any of these teams where there was some worry that they could sign a running back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good, good call. And then um, yeah, that, that 
you know, a good, a good day to, to talk about running backs for us. We're talking about running back draft strategy today, especially with all this running back related news. And we'll definitely get into our running back draft strategy in just a minute. But first, we do have to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your child's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams, embrace life's adventures, and thrive in this world. But you also know life can be unpredictable, and that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they can continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by Parents for Parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, so similarly to how we did our tight end draft strategy a couple weeks ago, we're going to go round by round, talk about our favorite running back targets in each round, or if there's none at all that we like in a particular round or range, we'll talk about that as well. Basically, we'll highlight our thought thought process for drafting this position in 2023 and where we might pivot if we don't want a running back in each round. Um, We're going to use Fantasy Pro's collection of consensus ADP, which pulls from ESPN, Sleeper, NFL, and real-time fantasy sports so we can get a better idea of where these guys are going in redraft leagues since there can be a bit of a discrepancy when using best ball ADP as well. Um, And then we're going to focus on PPR scoring as well to keep it simple. So With that being said, let's get into it here and start in round one with four, sometimes even five running backs uh, are getting drafted, and they are Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Bijan Robinson, and Nick Chubb. So CMC and Eckler, pretty consistently the first two backs coming off the board. Barkley and Bijan have flip-flopped at times, and and Chubb is right on the fringes of that round one, round two, certainly not always going in the first, but depending on how those late drafters are strategizing, he could certainly jump in there and has plenty of times from what I've seen as well. So, Nate, I know you have advocated for going running back in round one, but is there a draft position Uh, just speaking generally like early, middle, late, that you would pivot and take a different position in round one? Uh, yeah, definitely around the middle of the draft is when I start to pivot away from running back. It's really, um, if I can get CMC or Eckler as one of my top picks, then definitely happy to get them in the first round just because they've been so consistent when they've been healthy in the past couple of seasons of uh, being so far ahead of the other running backs. Um, a lot of it's because of their receiving production that there's only so many running backs that are both have a lot of receiving production and get a lot of rushing touchdowns. And those are the two that have fit in that category, even if they're not getting as many carries as some of the other running backs in the league, but receptions, especially in PPR leagues are worth a bit more than rushing attempts. So having the receiving production, and that's something that's pretty consistent from one season to another, because if you're a good running back at catching the ball, you're going to get plenty of targets. So um, I've had those two decently far ahead of everyone else. 
Um, after that point, definitely fine to pivot in the middle of the draft. Um, looking at some of the running backs, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, them being amongst the top tier of wide receivers, I grouped them together with uh, Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So being able to get one of them in the middle of the round, throwing Travis Kelsey in there as well as someone that definitely would be fine considering in the first round. Um, this week, I've been updating my uh, perfect draft strategies for 12 team leagues for a pick by pick perspective, one through three, four through six, uh, seven through nine, 10 through 12. And it's really interesting to see the strategies change over the course of the uh, summer, really, with how um, ADPs change as well as my rankings change. I've been even more okay getting a wide receiver in the middle of the round recently because then I can wait for running back in round two since there's a couple guys who are falling and even get a potentially top 10 running back um, early middle round three. So I've become even more okay getting a wide receiver in the middle of the draft because if I want two running backs early, I can still get two running backs early and get one of the best wide receivers in the league. So um, along with the late in the draft, uh, fine, late in the first round, um, love Bijan Robinson this year. We've talked about him before, but I think his upside is going to be huge this season. So definitely happy to get him if he falls to eight or nine, 10, somewhere in that range. But then generally, if I'm looking to get running back wide receiver with my first two picks, I tend to get wide receiver in the first round and then wait for running back in the second round, just because I know some guys will be there in the second round where wide receiver, there's still some players who are clearly above the rest at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, what I've noticed, and we talked about this when we did our our picks like one to three strategy episode. Um, I still like Justin Jefferson as my 101 um, if given the opportunity. But if he's gone, then I pretty much have to go Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler here because I think the opportunity from those that early draft position um, to get another elite running back ceiling the next time that I pick at the end of the second is pretty is pretty thin, right? So especially now that there's some more positive news around like Jonathan Taylor who was falling, um, but I wouldn't expect to see him back in that 24-ish range anymore. So now that he's back with the team and trending in the right direction. So yeah, I really want those those high-end running backs, like you said, with an early position build, sometimes 101 depending on the scoring. But yeah, the middle or late later picks, I feel like I have a little bit more wiggle room, like you said, to kind of attack different positions, either wide receiver or Travis Kelsey. And then I often still have a decent shot at, like you said, a true running back one in that second round. So um, it's, it's, it's a little difficult depending on where you're drafting from to kind of double up on running back. But I think, yeah, getting at least one in these first two rounds is, is pretty crucial. So let's move to that second round now, where in order of ADP, we are seeing Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Jonathan Taylor, and Josh Jacobs come off the board. So already here in round two, we're we're starting to see maybe some question marks pop up, um, even inside the top 10 players at the position. So Nate, how comfortable are you with with like a Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs as your RB1 heading into this season um, with, with like the holdout concerns still? Uh, definitely more comfortable now, especially with Taylor. Sounds like he's going to be coming back soon. Um, but having Tony Pollard in round two is something that I've loved to pick any time that I had the chance. Um, sometimes his ADP has been low, as low as the end of the second round. So being able to have an early first round pick and then being able to get Pollard's been great. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that 
much more as his ADP has slowly but surely ri- been rising. And especially with the news that Elliot's not going to be coming back to Dallas, probably will move Pollard's ADP up even more. But I have Pollard amongst my top five running backs this year. So being able to get a top five running back in the second round, definitely something I'm happy with. Um, in terms of the other running backs, um, I tend to be happy getting a quarterback in round two rather than getting one of those guys. So I'm often trying to get a quarterback if it's not one of them, especially if it's in the middle to later parts of that round. So definitely not getting a ton of Taylor and Jacobs right now. It's more been either Pollard's there and then, or get a quarterback or Derek Henry on the top of the tier. If you're picking at the start of the second round generally fine getting Henry since I think he should still see plenty of volume. And then my best case scenario with him is maybe he gets traded in the middle of the year. If Tennessee is not doing great and at his age and uh, where he's at with his contract, if he ends up with a team that needs a running back in the middle of the season, that's fighting for a playoff spot that pretty, could be pretty huge for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent here. I mean, uh, Tony Pollard is the one for me as well. Um, but yeah, the most, for the most part, what I've noticed just like recently is that these guys, all of them really aren't making it past those picks 20 to 21 anymore. So again, if you went wide receiver with one of those like one to three picks and these backs are now off the board, I'd probably just keep waiting at running back at least until the next round, um, which wouldn't be too many picks from now anyway. So either going with a tier one quarterback, like you said, or another uh, high end wide receiver to pair with your first pick. Used to be that you can get Tony Pollard near the end of the second, like you said. Um, but I noticed that as the kind of like question marks surrounding some of the guys that were typically going ahead of him started to pile up, that he started to get pulled up higher in ADP. And now that, like you said, Ezekiel Elliott is signed, I don't think he's getting back to the end of that second range, a uh, second round range before the season now. So middle position. Probably my favorite, at least for if I'm drafting running back heavy, because if I were to get like a a, a cup or or Kelsey um, or or Bijan Saquon specifically in those in that middle first round, coming back in the second to try to get Tony Pollard, Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs has felt really nice, especially um, with Pollard since he has he is the least amount of question marks uh, surrounding him now. So really like that. Yeah, um, I'd add um, we're two rounds in and we're already doing a lot of talking of, well, we are fine getting a running back here because this is who's going to be available later or earlier and those kind of things. And it's really hard to get a sense of that without doing a lot of drafts at our mock draft tool that we released recently as a really nice way to prepare drafting in this kind of manner since you can do a bunch of drafts and try different strategies out and see who's going to be available. We have within the tool the odds that someone's actually going to be available at the next pick. So when you're making a pick, you can plan ahead of seeing who should be available at your next pick. Uh, with the odds that we have. And we're using up-to-date ADPs with those. We're using my rankings and our projections to come up with suggestions for those which are up-to-date. So that's a great way of trying to do some of these drafts yourself. So you can see if you draft this person who's going to be available later and how your team might end up looking rather than just picking who you think the best available player is and then finding later, oh, you have too many running backs or not enough running backs. I like it. Yeah, good call there. And a uh, really nice job on the plug for the fantasy mock draft simulator. Should definitely check it out. And I, I noticed that um, George Chahuri recorded a video on how to use the fantasy mock draft simulator as well on the PFF fantasy YouTube channel. So if anybody uh, is looking for like a tutorial, quick video on that, um, you could find it on YouTube as well. 
All right, let's move to round three now. Pretty decent amount of running backs going here with five different options to choose from in round three. Ramondre Stevenson is the first one, followed by Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, and Joe Mixon. Question marks kind of continue to pile up here a little bit. Stevenson was pretty easily the best pick in this round. Now loses maybe a bit of his cachet with the Zeke signing. Although I do still think he's worth the third round pick. Um, But guys like Harris, Etienne, Hall now have real competition for touches. So Nate, to me at least, Joe Mixon feels like the most valuable pick of this round, considering his role and then factoring in that he's still the cheapest option of the bunch. Am I crazy to want him much more, uh, especially at cost over the rest? I think it definitely makes sense uh, having Mixon at cost compared to the other running backs in this group. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see his ADP rise, though, just since I feel like uh, with my rankings and other people in general, it's always been the thought of, okay, maybe they cut him. And then if they do, then it ends up being like Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott, where they were a top 20 running back and now they're somewhere outside of the top 30. So that was always the concern for Mixon. And now that we know that's not going to happen now that he's taken a pay cut, um, I've moved him up my rankings and I feel like other people are just slowly but surely adapting to that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to move up especially with the concerns that we have with everyone else in this list. Uh, We talked about Stevenson and Hall at the beginning and their ADPs will probably be falling at this point. Stevenson, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls and I'm going to be glad to pick him no matter how far he falls. Hopefully he falls a lot so I can get him even later than I've been getting him now, but I've generally been happy to get Stevenson early third round and would still be fine with that at this point. But uh, guys like Harris and ETN, those are both guys that have dropped down my rankings. Both There's a lot of concerns that this could be more of a committee than what we saw last year. Uh, Jalen Warren's looked great. He has taken the passing down work. He took some of the running down work in the first preseason game, which, yeah, we're only talking about a couple of snaps there. And Harris had more passing down work than I expected in the preseason game. So it could just be the team trying out different players with different things, but Warren's been a more efficient runner than Harris. So there's always a chance that Warren becomes the guy for Pittsburgh, which is a huge concern for Harris. And then we talked about ETN plenty yesterday, but there's a decent chance that he'll be in a little bit more of a committee this year. I wrote my player profile on him that went up today. So can get all of my thoughts on him there, but Because of that and the question marks surrounding a lot of these running backs, a lot of the time, if I'm not getting Stevenson earlier and Mixon late, I'm more looking at wide receivers in this round rather than getting a running back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. And and that's kind of what I like about like drafting it at this point in the off season still, like it's not super close to the, the, the start of the regular season and, and all the ADP hasn't like fully locked in yet right there's still some edges to be had but as we get closer to that the start of uh week one basically that the edges become super thin everybody's kind of locked in and and the adjustments have been made at least as far as adp goes so like you said with Mixon, i i know you know right now he's going at the end of the third round ish around that area but um there's a very good chance that he's going to move up and, and i know he's a bit older for the position too but we did just see austin eckler come off a, a, an rb1 season at 27 years old and just being healthy he has a path to double digit carries on a high scoring offense i still absolutely love taking Mixon here in this third round um 
All right, round four, there's a decent mix here. And still for me, other than trying to grab maybe Justin Fields, if I still need my QB one, this isn't a bad spot, I think, to go after the position again, especially if you did avoid it in three of the four other rounds, for example. So we got Jameer Gibbs, Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce. Um, Sanders and Pierce, probably the only ones who don't really feel like they have significant competition for touches, but they are in a potentially worse offense with rookie quarterbacks. So Nate, what do you prefer? If you're going running back in this round, do you like the the high receiving upside guys like Gibbs and Jones, or maybe the safer volume backs like a Sanders or, and Pierce? Um, It's probably been more Gibbs at this point, just because he is more of the unknown. We don't know exactly how he'll end up being used, but he has such high upside with how high he was drafted at the teams investing a early first round pick in a running back. You know, they're going to use him a lot and Detroit loves to run the ball. They have a great offensive line. So I think Gibbs will be used plenty. So he's someone that I'm definitely fine taking a risk on, especially if I'm okay drafting more running backs later in the round, just depending on how the rest of my draft is going. Um, If not him, Sanders and Pierce are guys that I like. I feel like the fourth round is a little early for when I would want to take either of them. But I think Pierce is someone who's interesting. It'll be just curious to see how they end up using their running backs in Houston with the new coaching staff. Um, One note that happened in the preseason that we didn't really talk about yesterday, but it seemed like Dare Ogunbowale was still the third down back for Houston, where I thought Devin Singletary would have that role. Singletary was playing that early down role while Damian Pierce had the day off. So it seems like Singletary is just going to be Pierce's backup. So I don't know if Singletary is just rarely, if ever going to see the field or if the snaps are going to be a little more split between the two. So a little bit concerned with Pierce, but definitely think there's upside there. And then Miles Sanders just feels like a pretty safe guy who should see the vast majority of the snaps at running back in Carolina. Who knows how good the offense is going to be, but I think he's going to get the touches and the touches are what really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's And sometimes it is, you know, into the fifth round that we see Miles Sanders or Damian Pierce. That's definitely not um, uncommon. And then the one guy, I think Kenneth Walker is kind of the odd man out for me here. I, I just don't, love the ADP for Walker right now. I think there's just too much bust potential, I guess, with, with guys like Charbonnet and, and DJ Dallas getting in the mix that that makes me avoid him probably the most in, in this round. And, and like you said, I'd feel much better taking a shot on, on Jameer Gibbs, even Aaron Jones, uh, especially in PPR in the hope that they end up getting you know some carry volume as well and then on the back end of of the round i'm perfectly fine grabbing sanders and pierce for volume but i think we get another good shot at 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 the running back position in round six so i'm not reaching for a running back in this range I'll, i'll typically take whatever value falls to me here and come back to running back in a bit so um that that's the one thing about this range that i've i've found i've noticed through through multiple drafts uh this off season so far Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, I definitely try to get one or two in the first three rounds. If I haven't gotten a running back yet, then definitely glad to get one here, but also glad waiting, looking more at either a wide receiver, quarterback, or tight end. All of them are really options at this point of the drafts. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So I've tended to find myself not picking running back in round four in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that that's the, I've been the exact same way. Um, but moving on to round five, this this is just a small grouping of running back options here. Sometimes Sanders and Pierce do fall into here as well. But specifically, what we're looking at is Alvin Kamara and Cam Akers. So th- this is mostly been a, a wide receiver and, and tight end hotspot with guys like George Kittle, uh, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy. Darren Waller, Christian Watson, uh, guys like that. So I guess the question here in round five is what would it take for you to go running back in round five over, over some of these other skill position options? It would only be at the earlier parts of the draft. If I ended up going like wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end quarterback, or getting a running back in there, but already being happy with my wide receivers and tight ends and they're not being a good quarterback at this spot. So like Cam Akers is the one guy that I would generally look at here, just since I think he has breakout potential. I wrote about him in my breakout running back piece. Um, Just someone that he's still relatively young for a running back. He's shown that he can have those huge 20 plus carry games for a hundred plus yards. And it seems like this is the first off season where he really seems to be the guy heading into the season. It's always been last season week one, he barely played since it sounded like he wasn't in good graces with the coaching staff and uh, set out those couple games last season, but the end of the season, things were a lot stronger earlier than that. Daryl Henderson being a big factor as well. And now he's not on the roster. So I think acres, yeah, he doesn't have that receiving upside, but he should see plenty of volume. And I know we're talking about PPR, but especially if you're looking at standard leagues, definitely happy to get someone like Akers here. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, there's just there's just too many strong options, I think, at other positions in this range. So even if I only have like one running back, um, potentially even if I don't have any, I might just embrace like the zero running back strategy here. And I know there's, you know, going to be some solid options in, in round six and seven as well that I'd rather go after. I do like Cam Akers as well. He's one still not usually round five that I'm, I'm, I've been grabbing him. It's usually been later than that. So um, I just think that there's, there's guys with similar potential and ones that um, maybe don't cause me to miss out on these high upside wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, in this range so round four five really hasn't been like a a heavy running back spot for me from what I've noticed uh, for the most part there I'll add uh, Alvin Kamara that's the other one in this range and Mm -hmm. gives me a chance to talk more about the preseason since I had more than an hour's worth of preseason stuff that I could have talked about (laughs) yesterday so if I can spill some into this episode I will take it and uh, Kamara someone who took the vast majority of the snaps with the first team in the preseason in week one 
but I will note the Saints really weren't rotating their players very much with in the preseason. They did the same thing last year, but they like to rotate their players a lot more in the regular season. So good news for Kamara that he's still at the top of the depth chart. So it's definitely not a bad thing that he saw as many snaps as he did with the first team. I just think once we hit the regular season, once his suspension is over, we should see a little bit more rotation than what we did see in the first preseason game. Nice. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then plus they know he's going to miss three games as well, right? So maybe we want to try to get him as many reps early as they can, or um, at least until he gets back. So, all right, before we go any further, I do want to shout out one more of our sponsors, and that is DraftKings. This season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Right now, you can enter into DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. Make your entry into the draft today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, waiver wires, and more. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops, or trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, let's move on to round six because this is where I've typically found running back picks kind of back up a little bit and and ADP will back that up for sure here as we have actually seven running backs getting drafted in round six. So they are James Conner, Rashad White, Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Isaiah Pacheco. So a decent group there. Um, but Nate, do you do you have any favorite running backs from this bunch or 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 a player that you end up with with much higher exposure to, I guess? Uh Alexander Madison's definitely one that stands out. Have continued to move him up my rankings, even though it's been months now since Delvin Cook left the team. It's just he's in such a good offense and he should see the vast majority of the touches. They don't really have a backup that I see getting significant playing time. So I think Madison should be someone who uh, basically does as good as Cook had been doing in the past. So um, because of that, definitely happy to get him wherever I can. Uh, James Conner is another one. Just He's had the history of success of being a clear high fantasy running back. I know Arizona's offense isn't expected to be all that great this year, but they don't really have great backup options either. And they haven't really seemed to be looking to add to their backups very much. I know they added Marlon Mack and then a couple of days later he was injured again. So um, they could very well continue to add running backs, but not any of the big names. I don't think they've been linked to any big name at this point. So I think Connor is just going to continue to see the majority of the touches. He is able to catch passes out of the backfield. So well-rounded player It's just the Arizona's offense. That's a concern. And that's similar thing with Rashad white. I think you should also see vast majority of touches for Tampa Bay. It's just how good is that offense going to be? Is he going to have a chance to score all that many touchdowns, but these are definitely guys that happy to draft them so that I have someone I know I can put in my starting lineup and then, aim for a bunch of high upside guys in the later rounds, hoping one of them hits 
and then I can start them instead of Connor or instead of White. But until I find one that hits, I can put Connor and White in, or White in my lineup week after week and still end up with decent results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this these are the exact guys that that I was <laughs> I was looking at as well. I mean, James Connor, Alexander Madison, they're they're the two for me in this range that I've been targeting the most. I, I love the ADP for both of these guys just because you said, like you said. The, the 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 opportunity for touches alexander madison definitely in the better offense but james connor it could very well be the focal point of that arizona cardinals offense right they're going to run the ball a ton um and and he's going to be the, the primary beneficiary of that so it's just a great value i think for what you're getting in this round and i definitely have some like isaiah pacheco and, and rashad white shares but as long as one of those other two are on the board, then I'm always going there. I think there's just too much value value in the volume that we can expect from them uh, to pass on them at this point. So I think there's definitely a case to be made that they could be going a bit higher in rounds as well, but I'm, I'm fine not reaching because typically one of them will be there. And, and if, if not, there's still some really nice options here uh, or in the next round that, that I'm just not sweating it at this point. So um, this has really been a nice little range for, for adding like, an RB3, I mean, getting James Conner or Alexander Madison as your RB3 is a really uh, nice luxury, I think, at this point in drafts. Yeah, and even getting them as RB2, like you were saying, with mm-hmm. rounds of four and five, easy to avoid running backs there when running backs have this value here. So have often just been getting one running back in the top five rounds and then waiting for round six to get my second one. But we could see their ADP rise over time as well. So we've had all of these draft strategy articles to this point. This is our current draft strategy. All of a sudden, if their ADP starts to rise, then that completely changes the draft strategy for everything potentially. So um, hopefully these values continue to last, but they might not last forever. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll probably have to do an updated version of this right before this season um, as well. Because, yeah, you're right. The ADP is absolutely going to change at some point. I don't know if it'll be with those guys. It probably will. But there's other guys that are that are going to change as well. So. Let's go on to round seven here. So we got a three more running backs in, in round seven um, that we're looking at. Javante Williams, James Cook, and David Montgomery. So three different players, a, a kind of a pick your poison for the position. Uh, you know, do you want the potential workhorse with a significant injury question mark in J- Javante Williams? Or do you want the high upside James Cook in a pass heavy offense who may not get the high end rushing workload? Or do you want the to buy the maybe slash maybe not 2023 Jamal Williams role in David Montgomery? Uh, or do you want none of the above? Um, I'm generally fine getting a running back here, especially if I'm getting a third running back and I feel fine about my other positions at this point. Uh, Williams is someone that I think could have this huge role, but like you said, is very risky. Uh, Cook, I've been feeling better and better about over time. I think he's a very good player. And especially with like Damian Harris missing a little bit of time with injury right now, that just solidifies things with Cook. And Buffalo just loves having the same players on the field for an entire drive. They were even doing that in the preseason with the starters. It was the same 12 personnel for the first drive, same 11 personnel for the second drive. So I think Cook's just going to have a lot of those drives where the other running backs they have on the roster might not be the kind of guys that you want for the entire drive because they're more rushing backs rather than receiving backs. So I think that's a big benefit to Cook that he should be able to be seeing a lot of playing time similar to what Devin Singletary was doing, but hopefully doing even better as a receiver out of the backfield. 
than Singletary. And especially when you compare the offenses, uh, Denver and Buffalo, um, expect Buffalo to be scoring a lot more touchdowns this season. So that's definitely touchdown opportunities that Cook could see, but also generally fine with Montgomery. I just don't know exactly what Detroit is going to do in terms of how they distribute their carries. I think either Gibbs or Montgomery is going to pretty significantly outperform their ADP. It's just which one is it? And if you draft the wrong one, then that's kind of hurtful in the first seven rounds to have a running back who's uh, not performing how you'd like to see. But I think Montgomery is a risk worth taking just because he is looking like he'll take the Jamal Williams role, but he's capable of doing everything. He can be a receiver. He can be a runner at any point across down the field. So um, Montgomery just has that upside. And especially if something happens to Gibbs and Montgomery is potentially a top 10 running back. Yeah. Yeah. He feels like a really nice, uh, safe pick here in this range. And then we talk about guys that could rise over the next few weeks leading into the season as far as ADP goes. I think James Cook is, is definitely one that we could see go, get higher and higher up the ADP boards, um, especially if he continues to play in the preseason and, and score touchdowns and things like that. People are going to get pretty excited about him. But Javante Williams as well, right? He's He's been healthy apparently. Um, as we get closer to the season and more optimism grows about his health and how he looks and things like that, I think he he makes a lot of sense as somebody that could very well rise up ADP boards um, and and creep into these earlier rounds as well. So if you can get them at this point now, I think that that's definitely the best time to grab them. But I definitely feel like Javante Williams, James Cook are going to move up a bit. David Montgomery, I'd be surprised if he moved up a bit, barring anything happening to Jameer Gibbs. But in this seventh round, late seventh round, usually for Montgomery, I think he's a nice pick here. All right, let's run through these next two rounds, continuing with round eight. Just two back, um, just two backs end up falling into this range as they kind of start off. Maybe like the true handcuffs with guys like AJ Dillon and, and Jamal Williams. Williams at, at least has the potential to see a much larger workload through those first three Alvin Kamara suspension weeks, but you also have guys like uh Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks going in this range. Do you like either of these running backs enough to take them over these younger wide receivers who haven't shown us their ceiling yet? I'm definitely tending to get a wide receiver in this range and not getting either of these running backs. We've really gotten to the point where it's running backs that are in committees. You could view them as a backup, but they're both going to see significant playing time, but there's a lot of running backs who will see significant playing time. There were guys that we were talking about in round three where another running back on those teams are going to see significant playing time. So I'd rather wait a little bit since there's going to be plenty of running backs who are in committees and have some kind of talent, but we're concerned about their playing time. Dylan's a very talented player, one of the highest graded rushers that we've seen the past couple of seasons, but we know Aaron Jones is there. We know the offense probably isn't going to be as good with Jordan Love there. Offensive line maybe doesn't look quite as good as it has in some of the years past. So uh, Dylan, I think, has the potential to do well, but it's going to be hard to do that with Jones still in the backfield and similarly with Jamal Williams. They have other running backs. They drafted Kendra Miller. They still have Alvin Kamara. Even though you can start Williams those first three weeks, you're not drafting someone for what they're going to do the first three weeks. So I'm happy to have Williams on my team, but probably not at this ADP. I'd be much happier getting him a little bit later where other running backs are going that are also in committees. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I I don't think I have a single share of either of these running backs this season. Cause I just like the wide receivers here too much in this range to kind of pass on those guys. And I'd even rather double up on these wide receivers. Like if given the chance in that seven, eight, eight, nine range. So just isn't a running back round or range for me. Um, Round nine could be a running back round for me because I think there's maybe some decent value guys in here uh, like Brian Robinson Jr., Khalil Herbert, Antonio Gibson. Um, Gibson has been a pretty popular pick in best ball over these two because he has the receiving upside. But in redraft, would you rather have a Brian Robinson or Khalil Herbert over him? And if so, which one would which one would you prefer? I generally prefer Herbert among these three. I haven't gotten very much of the Washington running backs. It just looks like it's going to be exactly as it was last year, even with the new offensive coordinator. Robinson will take the early downs. Gibson will take the late downs. Even if there's an injury, the other Robinson's not going to get the receiving work that Gibson gets. Gibson at least has the opportunity to be an every down back if something happens to Robinson. So generally preferred Gibson a little bit, but just not being able to have that passing upside has hurt Robinson a bit, but I'd rather have someone like Herbert who has the chance to be an every down player this season. And that looks like he could get there already with him getting all the snaps with the starters, like we'll see Deonta Foreman at times, but Chicago likes rotating a little bit more by drive rather than by situation. And they're fine having a running back seeing the majority of the work and Herbert looks like he's going to be the guy. So Herbert, definitely someone I'd be happy to take here, but I also wouldn't be surprised if his ADP starts to creep up a little bit and I won't be able to get Herbert anymore in this range potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's definitely the one that I could see rising out of this, out of this range for sure. And I typically haven't been really down on any of these guys in this range. Um, but yeah, I, I also have missed out on a lot of Khalil Herbert because I've just been, kind of avoiding that Chicago running back group because it did feel like it was going to be more of a committee. So I would just kind of take the value with one of the later guys um, for the most part, but Cleo Herbert now, um, now that we got to see that kind of usage in the preseason, if we could still get him in this round nine area, I think that's, um, I think that's really nice, but happy with either of these guys here in, in this range still. All right, let's do a quick look here at round 10 and beyond um, to, to kind of wrap it up. There are some Decent options remaining, but each one brings kind of their own set of red red flags. And we can start considering these guys as kind of like our favorite sleepers now. So, Nate, do you have like some specific running backs that you want to target in these next few rounds? Or is there a specific point or round of, of the draft um, past these first like 109 picks or so um, that you'll find you'll end up targeting the position more often? Generally around nine and 10, I'm tending to get more wide receivers just because there's starters at that time still. So being able to get someone who's on the field all the time, maybe not as exciting as someone like Jordan Addison or Jahan Dotson, but still younger players that have a chance to break out. Would rather be getting some of those guys first, but someone like Jalen Warren of the Steelers, I'm still surprised his ADP is so low since he should still get all of the passing work in Pittsburgh. And if he can just get a little bit of that rushing work, there's a chance he could be the starter with how much he was outperforming Harris in the run game. So he's someone I'm definitely happy to get late. And then Tank Bigsby, um, hopefully his ADP doesn't rise too much after the one round. Hopefully people aren't listening to me to raise his ADP so that you can still (laughs) get him at a later price. But 
I think he's someone that could have a big year as well. And even some of the rookies who didn't get as much playing time the first week of the preseason, I'm not too concerned about that. So hopefully their ADPs don't rise because they didn't play much with the starters and hopefully they fall a little bit so that you're able to take a chance on some of the rookie running backs who hopefully will rise up the depth charts over these next couple weeks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love Tank Bigsby for sure in this range. I've ended up with so much of him for this year. So hoping that that pans out. But for me, I think it's just going to depend on, you know, once I get to this range, how many running backs are already on my roster, like through the first half of drafts. If I'm thin, then I'll spend up in the next maybe two rounds or so on guys like a Samaje P. Ryan or still optimistic about Rashad Penny cautiously optimistic though after the preseason um I was doing it more with Devin A chain I've slowed down a little bit there as well after the first preseason game I, I also like going after some of the more like high-end handcuffs the guys like Tyler Algier Elijah Mitchell even if I don't already have like a Bijan or, or Christian McCaffrey because if either of those guys miss time then now all of a sudden these guys get a really nice boost to their value and usage as well so generally I haven't been adding maybe more than two or three more running backs at the very, very most um, for the rest of the drafts. Uh, they've usually been more of like a waiver wire target for me. Um, and I'm usually pretty full at this point for the running back position. So that's just the way that I've noticed uh, for this season anyways. There, Yeah. I've tried uh, to get like two or three before this point and then add another two or three after this point, just depending yeah. on how things are going and the size of my bench I have in general and, those kind of factors. Yeah, for sure. All that stuff's going to play a part in it. Every draft is different, right? And and every draft kind of plays out differently. So it, it's all going to depend on so many different factors, but that that that's it. I mean, let us know what you think of our approach to the running back position this year. I'd love to hear other people's strategies as well. Um, just such an interesting position this year, more, more than any other year, it feels like with, with a ton of kind of high risk, high reward options. So hopefully that breakdown was helpful for you all. I, I'm sure we'll be covering a couple other positions as we get closer to the season as well. Um, but with that portion of the podcast wrapped, we get to keep drafting, but this time it's for our five round draft extravaganza thingy. Nate, yesterday's poll on best pre 2010 video games was insanely close. I, I just barely squeaked out the win, but that was far from a clear cut victory. I think when I went to sleep last night, I checked right before and we were exactly tied, which was pretty nuts. Yep. And then I tweeted it out at that point and my followers voted for you rather than voting for me. So <laughs> it was a little sad to see like plenty of them voted for me as well, since it stayed pretty close to 50, 50, but I think it ended up like 52, 48 or something yeah. around that range. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the, I think that was our closest one. Um, probably so far, I, I think anyways, uh, 52, 48 was, yeah, was the final scoring there so really just a couple handfuls of votes um in my favor but i squeak out the win um and now we move on to today's poll uh, a couple weeks ago we did like the best green characters uh which i think i ended up winning that one but it, it was a fun one so we're gonna go back to the color well here and we're gonna draft the best blue characters this time uh nate you have the first pick in this one i'll be really curious to see who you take at 101 because i thought you know, with green, there was kind of a clear 101 when I was picking and thought for sure we'd both consider the Hulk there. For blue, I have no idea which way you'll go uh, to lead us off here. Yeah, the more time I thought about it, the more I 
felt pretty good about my one-on-one and that's the genie from Aladdin from uh, Robin Williams rendition of the genie. It, it was just a classic version of a character. I think when I think of Robin Williams, since he, most of his stuff was when I was younger and that's something that I could watch of his when I was that age. So being able to enjoy Robin Williams when he was being uh, more kid friendly, I was happy to enjoy it at that age and still can enjoy that movie now. So I think, and like, I want a character that when you think of the character, the color of the character is one of the first things you think of, and he's definitely very blue. So <laughs> he's definitely very blue. Yeah. I, I had him on my list too. I wasn't sure where to put him. I, I didn't know like if people like, like still knew who that was after they, they did like a modern version of uh, Aladdin and Will Smith was the genie, but I'm pretty sure most people are going to know uh, Robin Williams yeah. genie. That's probably a pretty solid uh, first pick. So for me, uh, I guess I'm going to go with Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, video games worked well for me last last episode, so I'm going to keep the, I'm going to pay homage to the video games again and I'm going to go with Sonic the Hedgehog as uh, as my first overall pick cuz we didn't get we didn't include Sonic uh, in the video game poll, so he'll get included here. Yeah, I definitely considered Sonic and I had him on my list here as well, so I won't be able to get Sonic both of my drafts maybe i'll try to make sure we have a draft tomorrow where i can get sonic but um my next pick i'm going to stick with the disney well so you can't get as much disney love here i'll get stitch from lilo and stitch another very well like character that i think has stood the test of time and also blue so yeah this is good yeah the, the disney the disney picks i think have, have worked well for you in the past if i'm trying to yeah. remember correctly but uh so that stitch is a good one Okay, so now I am going to go with, because I used, I, I won with Hulk before, I'm going to go back to Marvel here, and I'm going to take a blue character and go with Yondu of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Might be a little early for Yondu, um, but <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that I got that in there because I'd be pretty upset if you got him um, before me. So hoping that people who like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie respect Yondu and uh, his great character. I did have Yondu on my list, but then I'm like, I'm not going to get him with my first pick or two. And then you're probably going to pick him. So I probably don't even need him on my list. And I probably don't even need to rank nine people because I know you're going to get him. So <laughs> uh, not a surprising pick, but I'm fine with you taking it. And I think he's a very good blue character, though. He was very memorable in those two movies. So definitely a good blue character there. I think I want to stick with the classics, at least for now. And I'm going to go with Gonzo from the Muppets. I think he's probably one of the most well-known Muppets and one of the Muppets that's most well-known for his color as well, like Kermit's green and Piggy's pink. But I think after that, Gonzo being blue is pretty high up there on the Muppets to color memorable ratio there. So going to get with Gonzo, especially since I had two animated characters before. So getting someone who's not quite as animated, depending on what version of Gonzo you're watching. But Right, right. Nice. Yeah, I like that. That uh, Muppets to color memorable ratio. That's really good. That's it's <laughs> a good it's uh, a good bar to use. Um, all right. So, damn, I I. I may I may be messing up here already. I'm I'm starting to realize because you're going with definitely some you know tried and true characters here. I'm I've already 
kind of veered off the beaten path. So I, I may as well embrace it here. I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> with Dr. Manhattan of uh, Watchmen. Um, he's, uh, he's a favorite character of mine, a favorite storyline of mine. Um, I can't remember if I've actually used Watchmen or maybe I was planning on using Watchmen for something, but it didn't work. So uh, Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen franchise. There. He was also someone that came to mind when I was doing this. Something that I found difficult with this is the more I thought of the blue characters, there's so many that like, there are several characters that are blue that are related to each other that you can't just pick one. Like the Smurfs are all blue, but hard to pick just a Smurf. Um, the characters from Avatar are blue. There are a number of X-Men who are blue as well, but I don't think that's going to stop me from picking an X-Men here. I'm going to go with Mystique as my next character the one that I probably most think of when I think of the blue X-Men. So that was also part of why I'm like, do I want to pick Yandu early? Because there's so many Marvel characters that are also associated with the color blue, and I probably just want one of them. And I think Mystique's the one that I wanted from the group. So going with nice. Mystique here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of uh, Jennifer Lawrence fans, uh, or Rebecca Romaine Stamos, I guess, depending. <laughs> Um, yeah, there were there were definitely a couple X-Men. I was hoping that you would pick an X-Men earlier so that I could go X-Men here uh, a little bit later, but I might join you in the X-Men picks here because I still, I really like, oh, there's two. I really like Nightcrawler. I think Nightcrawler is a cool character. Um, Kurt Wagner, you know, he could kind of teleport and stuff like that. And he looks cool. He's got the devil horns and tail and everything. And um Hope that's not going to be as strong as Mystique. So uh, again, probably a mistake on my part, but I'm going to, I need to add a, an X-Men character in there. So I'll go uh, Nightcrawler. Fair enough. So this is my last pick, I believe. I think I'm going to go with Blue from Blue's Clues because his name is Blue and we're picking Blue characters <laughs> and that just seems to fit. So I wanted, there's a couple characters out there that have Blue in their name that are Blue, but going with just the classic Blue from Blue's Clues. Blue from Blue's Clues. I like it. Yeah, my son will appreciate that. He would have probably chose um, Bluey from the show Bluey. Uh, also mm -hmm. a blue dog, as as strange as that is, because they love that. That's that's a newer one, though. I don't know if everybody knows that one. But um, all right, my last pick here. Oh, my God. Well, uh, I've obviously put some pretty nerdy picks in here, so we're just going to fully embrace all of that. And I'm going to go with uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn of uh, the Star Wars franchise. Uh, yes, he's not somebody that you've seen in the movies. So this is, again, probably going to hurt me. Um, but I, I got to try to stay true to my my picks here and, and the, the, the ones that I like. Um, I, I do sell out sometimes to try to get the votes, but uh, I'll I'll go with uh, some of my favorites here and just choose Grand Admiral Thrawn, who we'll probably see, actually we will see in the Ahsoka series coming out soon. So that's exciting. Fair enough. I tried to leave you a couple of the characters that are more classic that kids enjoy, like Soli from Monsters, Inc. and Dory from Finding Nemo, but <laughs> didn't take either of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, continued to dig myself a bigger hole here. And uh, yeah, I, I was thinking like Woody Woodpecker too. Um, but yeah, I just, mm -hmm. uh, just let it, uh, let it get into uh, pretty crazy territory. So I, I don't expect to win this one, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully there's a lot of people that uh, enjoy comic books like I do, but that that'll do it for, for another episode of the PFF fantasy podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Nate for joining me as always. We're back tomorrow with another episode covering potential league winning wide receivers. 
So um, if you did miss out uh, our content on our content at all this week or want to check out what's going up on the site this week, Nate, what do you have going on at pff.com for the people to read today? Uh, today was top five league winners, breakout wide receivers, um, perfect draft strategy for 12 team league picks one through three and a player profile on Travis Etienne. Uh, yesterday I had more uh, fantasy recaps that went up. Perfect draft strategy for 14 team leagues. And then tomorrow I will have another player profile. I believe I'll be doing Ramondre Stevens in tomorrow. Uh, more perfect track for 12 team leagues. And then I will also be having depth charts for all 32 teams uh, based a lot on how they use their players in the preseason. So you can see where people are on the depth charts right now when they enter their games in the preseason, when they left their games. So you can have a better picture of how all of the teams are looking right now. I like that. That's fun. Um, sweet. So yeah, be sure to check all of that out on pff.com. Uh, remember to subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that as well as the PFF Fantasy Discord. So um, again, I can't thank you all enough for tuning in and we'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, peace out. Peace out.